glad that God warns us for our good. I'm glad he gives us warning far beyond or far before anything bad happens. And I think for us, sometimes we want to understand what that means. What does it mean that God warns us before anything happens? What does it mean or what does it look like when God gives us a warning? Is it that we feel uneasy in life? Is it when something bad happens? Is it when my life doesn't go according to my plan? What does God's warnings look like? I think it's like a... It's, it's kind of like us in our cars. You know, we, we all have a dashboard that has a light that comes on. Some of you right now are driving with a warning light that has been on for a while. It could be your engine light that came on, your oil light, or maybe your gas light. And maybe your gas light is always on because you only fill up, you know, three gallons at a time because gas is expensive. But we have that dashboard to let us know what's happening, not in the car, but what's happening under the hood what's happening behind the scenes, the things we cannot see. God, God is kind of like that, that He'll give us warning signs far before damage occurs in our life that's happening not on the surface level, but, but beneath the surface, whether it's in our hearts or in our soul. He'll often give us warning signals. But what does that look like? Well, we're going to go through this series, and we're beginning this new series, The Power of God's Compassion. And the Bible tells us that His compassions fail not, for His mercies are new every single morning. Great is Thy faithfulness, that His loving kindnesses never cease. And we want to find out how that, that, that helps us in our life as we look at God's warning signals and His warning lights and the signs that He brings into our lives so that we do something about it. You see, His, his signals come into our lives not so that He can just let us know. The signals come into our lives so that we do something about it. Otherwise, it'll be like some of us. Our, our car light comes on or, or the dashboard light comes on and says, here's something wrong with your engine. So we just pull out that plug. We take out that fuse that's letting us know what the problem is. Instead of fixing the problem, we fix the signal that's telling us what the problem is. And so for many of us, we treat God like that. God says, here's where you need to correct this and this and this. And so we just turn God off. And then we just say, no, I'm going to do it my way. But we still want God's blessing. So how do we live a life according to the power of God's compassion, according to His faithfulness, and then to, to live a life that He wants to bless, rather than just saying, God, I want you in my life just to help me with this situation. Our founder, Amy Simple McPherson, who has founded the Foursquare denomination, she had a vision for this denomination that we call Foursquare. And she could see that there, there was a nation that was in need of Jesus Christ. And we still need Jesus Christ. She could see in the early 1900s that the nation needed God because we're headed in a direction that we see today. So even back then, she knew the gospel of Jesus Christ needed to be spread not just throughout this nation, but through our entire world. And so the Foursquare denomination was birthed. And so that was her vision. In fact, when the Great Depression hit in the early 1900s, in, in Los Angeles alone, they were able to feed, because she uh, built this commissary, 1.5 million people during the Great Depression, just from that church alone. And then other churches would get involved and other people would get involved, but they, would able, they were able to feed that many people. She was also very uh, 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 creative with how she did her messages and, and illustrations to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
as well as the first woman to broadcast her messages on the radio. So she knew where the world was heading because she could see God's warning signs. And so here we are today in what we call our church as Foursquare because of something someone did in heeding the warning signs that God had back then. And even a hundred years later, we can still receive the benefits of something God was doing back then. And so we want to learn how to recognize God's warning signs that are given to us so that, so that we can be saved from the, the potential destruction that can come ahead. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 36. If you don't have your Bibles, you know, I'll read it to you. And uh, this is the New Living Translation. But uh, we're going to read the story about this King Zedekiah and the prophet Jeremiah. And then see how that parallels to us as we talk about God's warning lights. And Second uh, Chronicles chapter 36, verses 11 through 23 is what I'll read. And if you want to check that out later, you can write it down. But it says this, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. So if any of you are 21 years old, imagine if you were king or queen. Imagine that. And some of you are thinking, I am the king. This guy was 21 years old. Or if you have a son or daughter who's 21 years old, imagine if they were king or queen. I know for some of you, you're saying, that's pretty scary. But Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. But he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he refused to humble himself when the prophet Jeremiah spoke to him directly from the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he had taken an oath of loyalty in God's name. Zedekiah was a hard and stubborn man, refusing to turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. Likewise, the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful. They followed all the pagan practices of the surrounding nations, desecrating the temple of the Lord that had been consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent His prophets to warn them, for He had compassion on His people and on His temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. So the Lord brought the king of Babylon against them. The Babylonians killed Judah's young men, even chasing after them into the temple. They had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, the old and the infirm. And God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. But the king took home to Babylon all the articles, large and small, used in the temple of God and the treasures from both the Lord's temple and from the palace of the king and his officials. Then his army burned the temple, burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burnt all the palaces, and completely destroyed everything of value. The few who survived were taken as exiles into Babylon. And they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came into power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. Now I read that, the second part, I'm thinking all of that could have been avoided if they heeded God's warnings. 
If when Jeremiah spoke on behalf of the Lord, they said, okay, we, we receive what you're saying, we're going to change, they could have saved themselves from years of destruction, 70 years of being desolated and being in slavery once again. They could have avoided all of that. I think for us, what we can learn is sometimes in our humanity, we want things done our way, but we still want God's blessings. We want His blessings, but we don't want God. We want to follow His, His, we want to follow His, uh, His, His promises. We want to receive His promises, but we don't want Him. Now, maybe sometimes we do, but I think more often than not, we just want His blessings rather than who He is. And so what we try to do is we try to chase after everything that would fulfill what we're empty with or what, what is void in our hearts, and we think that's going to fulfill the void that we feel. But it's really not. It's God Himself that will fill that void. But we think if I chase after this or that, if I can put that into my life, then I'll be satisfied. But sometimes it's just a temporary fix of pulling the plug so the light is not showing. And then after a while, the engine breaks down, and we wonder, what happened? And God is saying, listen, I gave you the warnings far before damage occurred. And so we look for the next big rush, the next relationship, the next thing that will satisfy this emptiness. But did you know that it's a false belief, a false belief that living contrary to God's word will fill the void in your heart? It's a false belief. That's why God will often warn us long before the damage occurs. And if you're taking notes, and, and if you want to take some notes, you can, you can open your bulletin and there's some notes that you can take out and it'll help you with following along. But that's what God does. He, he always warns us. God doesn't just surprise us and say, okay, you know, you're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, I've I, I just made this up today, so you're just going to have to figure it out. He says, no, I've, I've been like this forever. I've not changed one bit. You've changed but I have never changed. I am always faithful. My compassions fail not. My mercies are new every single morning. That never changes. Why? Because I am faithful, even when we're not. But He'll always warn us long before the damage occurs. He'll give us the process to go through. And usually, here's the process, and sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't. Some of us go through the process of saying, yes to God, I receive your word, I receive you into my life, and so I follow you up until the point where I'm comfortable rather than changing my ways. I'll receive you, but I still want to live like how I've been living. I love you, but I still love my old life. I understand your truth, but I still want to follow my own ways. And so what we do is we want God's blessings, but we don't want God. And we may not realize that. We may feel like, no, 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 I do want God in my life, but I'm not willing to do it His way. And so we may compromise as we justify our behavior and we say, but God, your compassions fail not. You forgive me. Your love endures. And you, you're going to love me just as I am, right? And God says, absolutely. And so we settle with that. And so we have just enough of God to get us into heaven. Just enough of God for salvation that I spend eternity with Him. And we change a little, but not like, and maybe we're not like before. But we still make compromises like before. And so now I know God. Yeah, I'll still sin, but not by mistake. I now sin on purpose. Before I knew God, it was mistakes. 
But now that I know God, wait a minute, I know right and wrong. I know God's way and my way. I can discern that now. And maybe along the way we make certain mistakes and then we learn from that. But if we keep making the same mistake over and over, it's not mistakes anymore. It's on purpose. And so we say to God, we want your blessings, but we just don't want you included. Or we say, God, can you just fix this right now? And then when God is done fixing it, we say, okay, now I don't need you. Whew, I'm good. My marriage is in, in trouble. God, we need you. We need counseling. Okay, we get counseling. Okay, everything's good. Honey, you're okay. I'm okay. Yes, we're good. We don't need God anymore. And many of us come to know God out of pain. But just because the pain goes away doesn't mean God has to. God loves us even through our pain and even through our good. He says, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. But it's we who do that to him. And so now we do these things on purpose. And, and you know who catches that? You know who picks up on that? The devil himself. And so he picks up on our behavior and he says, wait a minute, if I, can, if I can just latch on to your belief that living contrary to God's word is okay, then I'm going I'm to bring more lies your way. And I'm going to feed you more and more. And it's like God is saying, wait, don't listen to the father of lies. Listen to the father of truth. I don't want to listen to the father of lies. That tells me he's very good at lying. If the devil is called the father of lies, he's very good at what he does. Listen very carefully. The devil cannot create, but he can counterfeit. God is the creator. So God creates. The devil can only counterfeit what God has already created. He cannot create. He doesn't have that power, but he can counterfeit. And so we buy in to the counterfeits, even thinking we're being blessed by God. He can even counterfeit to make it look like we're being blessed by God. And God says, you got to watch the warning lights. you got to watch the signals. Because I will, far, I will often warn you far beyond, or long before destruction takes place. I'm going to let you know, and I'm going to show you what's taking place. See, he does that because he's compassionate. God doesn't warn us to scold us just for the sake of scolding and say, you know, this is right, this is wrong, or uh, you're headed down destruction, so, oh well, you're on your own. Hope you figure it out. He's saying, no, I'm warning you because I love you. There's, there's something ahead that I want to help you with. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 11, verses 4, 7, and 8, For I said to your ancestors, when I brought them out of the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt, so you, you, that's not a good thing an iron smelting furnace of Egypt. He's saying, that's what I brought you from. And he says, if you obey me and do whatever I command you, then you will be my people and I will be your God. For I solemnly swore, I solemnly warned your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, obey me. I have repeated this warning over and over to this day, but your ancestors did not listen or even pay attention. Instead, this was their option. Instead, they stubbornly followed their own evil desires. You know, God is saying, He says, yes, I want to bless you. I want to, I want, I want to fulfill all the, the promises that I have for you. But you're going to have to make that choice if you want my blessings or not. And I'll warn you ahead of time, far before damage occurs, I will solemnly warn you, don't be stubborn to follow your own evil desires. 
You might think, yeah, but, uh, but I'm a human being. I make mistakes. You know, I, I still have my fleshly nature attached to me. So, so I, you know, what, what do you want me to do? I'm still a human being. And although true, again, don't buy into the lie that because you're a human being, God cannot do something great in your life. That because I have this past or because I'm in this situation, that God cannot turn that around for something greater. That we buy into the into the lie that says, well, you're stuck then. There's nothing you can do about it. God says, no, my compassions fail not. My mercies are new. Every single morning, I am faithful. I will be faithful to the end. I want to bless you. I want to bless you financially. I want to bless you in your relationship. I want to bless your family. I want to bless the dreams that you have. I want to bless your entire life, but you got to do it my way. The only way I receive God's full blessings is if I do it God's way. That's the only way. I cannot compromise with God because He cannot change. You can compromise with one another. You can even compromise with the state. You can compromise with the federal government. You can compromise with people. You can make deals, but not with God. And you may think like, well, that's kind of harsh, so is it God's way or no way? No, no, you have your way. But you've got to ask yourself the question, do I want God's full blessing or do I just want His minimal blessings? Okay, well, what does is, what is His minimal blessings look like? Because if I can just have his minimal blessings, maybe I'm good with that. His minimal blessings is living, breathing, existing, being provided for. His minimal blessings. In, in other words, why would I want to settle for God's minimal blessings? When he says, I have, I have so much more in store for your life, but you got to see what's happening here so that you can get here. Sometimes we just follow our own stubborn ways rather than follow God's ways and receive His full blessing. And so we cheat, we steal, we embezzle, we do what we want because we're only human. That's what human beings do. But now that you're a new creation in Jesus Christ, things change. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Now, I know many of you, you may not be Christians. You may not believe in God right now. Maybe you're searching for God. Or maybe you're wondering where you fit in all of this. And how, to, how, how does this affect your life? And maybe you're searching for something that will fulfill that void. And I'm telling you, it is God. And you may feel like, but if I turn to God, then i got to change. If I turn to God, then I, I, I no longer can do these things anymore. If I turn my heart over to God fully with all my heart, that means i got to stop A, B, C, D. got to stop doing all these things. I don't want to. I don't want to stop. I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable living like this. Can I live how I'm living now and then still follow God? Sometimes that's the question we ask. So we say, I want God, but I still want to live like how I want to live. It's like God is saying, you don't get the picture. If you want to live like how you want to live, that's your choice. And if you think your life is grand here, imagine what it would be like here. But I can't give up these old ways. I can't. Here's where it changes. When you give your heart fully over to God, you won't really have to change. You will want to change. 
because you're gonna sense the love of God greater beyond the love that you see right now and you're gonna understand that there's so much more that God wants for your life you may not be able to see it now because it's it, it, there's fear you don't know the unknown but God does and that's why he says I'm warning you right now there's better days ahead I remember when Heidi and I uh, before we came to know the Lord you know we had a uh, I was 15 she was 16 and we had our son and so Heidi moved up here I was on Oahu and I eventually moved up here but the only way I could live with them is if I came to church you know they just started attending church and and so they're trying to figure this out too and and uh, this whole you know change of lifestyle and everything so uh, that was the deal that if I move up here I had to go to church and so I did I attended this church and then I found God and Heidi and I were living together and we were still learning about God and then we came to church one day and then the pastor said you know uh, God wants to bless you in your relationship but the only way he'll do that is if you do it his way and then he said this so if you're living together and you're committing fornication that means sex outside of marriage he says that's not God's very best for you and so Heidi and I are thinking uh oh and so he said here's two options one either you get married or two move out and then you live someplace else and then you live someplace else and then you stay strong until you get married and then one day when you're married then God says here's my gift for marriage it's called sex that's my gift to you and so that was our two options either stop what we're doing move out or get married and so I said we're getting married <laughs> just leave it at that so I said Heidi uh, we gotta get married because uh, God says this is the best way and and, and we want to do things right in his way and Heidi felt the same thing she said you know what we want to do things right we want to do things God's way and it wasn't it, it, it became an easy choice because instead of us staying on this side and saying Lord we want to follow our own evil desires we said Lord we love you how do we do what you're asking us to do because we don't know how to do this and he says I will walk with you through it I'll help you so we did marital counseling we went through the whole process we got married and I can't tell you when 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 you obey the Lord to the to the point where you can actually feel the difference of his blessing I could nowhere compare it to just God fixing what was wrong in here in other words just getting married didn't fix the void getting married started the blessing because we could say okay you know let's just whenever God says to do something we'll do it okay God okay I got married okay we don't need you anymore God because we're okay now I didn't want God's blessing I wanted God himself yes it comes with the blessing but I'd rather have God with me rather than just what he can do for me or what he gives to me because I'm gonna cry out to him all the time anyway but if he's always there with me and I'm there with him then it's not a God fix this pull out the light or pull out the plug so that it, it fixes it or, or, or a temporary fix it's saying Lord change me into the person you see me to be so that whatever you see in my future can come to pass and even though we may make mistakes you may be thinking but oh, I made tons of mistakes his mercies are greater than your mistakes so much greater his compassions fail not 
See, I, 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 I want to be the kind of person that says to God, Lord, whatever you're going to bless me with, I'm thankful for. And at the same time, I love you more than the blessing. And so how do we do that? When the warning lights come, there's a second thing, to pay attention to the signals. Pay attention to the signals that come our way. Because sometimes we want God to do something in our lives, but we're not willing to follow Him. We're not, we're not willing to follow His ways. And the only way I get God's blessing is if I do it His way. So I've got to pay attention to what's happening in my life. Pay attention to what's happening in my surroundings. We were on Oahu the other week, and I think I told you this story, but we're, we're turning towards our hotel, and Heidi is in the car, and she goes, Did you know you just ran a red light? I said, No way. She goes, Yes. I said, I couldn't turn left. There wasn't anybody coming. She goes, no, no, you can turn left on the green, but it was red. I said, are you sure? She goes, yes, it was red. And the passengers in the car said, yes, it was red. And I wasn't paying attention. But the next time we came around, when we came to that light, Heidi said, that's the light you ran. I said, okay. And it was red this time again. So now I could have done this. I could have said, you know what? I ran it last time. Nothing bad happened. Never have cops. I never got pulled over. No one got hurt. We didn't get into an accident. It's all clear. I can still turn left. I could have done that and still turned because it was safe. But I would have been breaking the law. See, the first time I did it, it was a mistake. I wasn't even paying attention. The second time would be on purpose. God has certain laws that He has put into place. We've made mistakes. We're ignorant of the fact that God had these things in place for our benefit, for our good. God, God warns us for our good. But now that I know these things, when I break God's law, I'm doing that on purpose now. It's no longer a mistake. I don't have the humanity excuse anymore. I'm now a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. So for me to say to God, I made a mistake, He's saying, no, you didn't. He knew exactly what you were doing. I gave you the power to overcome that. I gave you the warning light so you know what's coming up. See, a, a green light means, a red light means, and a yellow light means, slow down. That's what it means. <laughs> Take all your guys' pictures, whoever said go faster. And the yellow light is telling you not necessarily that the red light is coming up. The yellow light is telling you not only that you have to stop, but because another intersection is there and cars are going to be coming across. So the yellow light warns you, not just of the red light coming up, it's warning you that other cars are soon going to be crossing. So if you're far away and you see the light turn yellow, it tells you soon the other intersection or the other lane is going to turn green. Now, when the light turns red, if you say, eh, last time, I made it. Last time I ran it, nothing happened. And you go through it, you risk getting into an accident. You risk getting into a crash. And some of us live our lives like that, like, well, nothing bad happened. Yeah, I'm disobeying God. I'm not living according to His standard, but nothing bad is happening. Do you know why up until this point? Because his compassions fail not. And his mercies are new every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It's not because of us. It's not because 
what we're doing. It's because of who he is and the reason why he gives us his compassions and his mercies is because he knows that in the process of us changing, we need it. He knows we need his strength and his power to overcome the things that used to drag us down. But now, on our part, now we have to pay attention to what God is speaking. Pay attention to his signals. That when he speaks something to me, I got to obey his word. That he's going to speak love to me. He's going he's to surround me with people that will point me towards Jesus Christ, towards his very best. Not try to make me feel good about my sin but genuinely love me towards God's very best. And he'll give us many signals, but we're the ones who have to pay attention to them. And when those signals come up, pay attention to them. Now you might be thinking, well, what if I still choose to go against God's ways? You're telling me God won't bless me? Oh, no, you'll still be blessed, but you'll receive minimal blessings. It's like your children, if they're in your house and they just disobey you, they kind of still live there but with minimal blessings. They'll still eat, maybe watch TV, or maybe go on the computer, maybe still use their phones, maybe still be able to go on Facebook, maybe still be able to use the amenities that are in your home. And when they're wise and they're trying to, you know, back talk to you after a while, you're like, you don't need to eat. I can just cook for the rest of the family. See, we, we can live in a household like that with God and say, no, we will receive your minimal blessings, God. And God is saying, what are you talking about? I have the fullest blessing available for you. Don't choose just the bare minimum. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 plus people? He fed them fish and bread. And, they, and then after they ate, the Bible says everyone was full. And then they picked up leftovers. Now the people were full. Like you and I, when after we eat, we're full. But we're not full forever. 20 minutes later, we're hungry again. And so they followed Christ. And so Jesus said, hey, you're following me not because of me. You're following me because of the miracle. Then he said this, I am the bread of life. In other words, the bread that you're eating is temporary. It's a temporary fix. But the bread I offer, the bread from heaven, who I am, I will satisfy your soul. And so some people caught that. Some people didn't. They just followed Jesus for the miracles rather than him. The 10 lepers that came to Jesus for healing, Jesus healed all 10 of them. Then they all left. But one came back to thank Jesus. And he said to the one leper, he said, wait a minute, didn't I heal 10 of you guys? Where's the rest? And the one leper who came back to Jesus to thank him, he was healed entirely. What that means and what the Bible is talking about when it says he was whole again was that there were no signs of leprosy on him. His skin was clean as brand new. The other nine, they were healed, but they still showed signs of leprosy. Scars. Damaged tissue. They didn't have leprosy anymore, but they had the signs, the evidence of leprosy. You see, when... When we want God, not just his blessings, we're whole and complete. Not just have evidence of, oh, this is my testimony. This is what my life was like before. This is what I, I did before. He's saying, no, you're whole again. But you got to do it my way. If you don't do it my way, you're going to receive just bare minimum. And so for many of us, we come to church so we feel better, but the rest of the week, it's tough. 
it's tough. It's like preseason. You know, the football is here, you know, the NFL. And, and for some of you, you're like, yeah, football season, finally. Some of you are like, no, football season, no. And so the best players, and you'll see them, they will do very well this season, not because they've done well starting this season, but they trained off-season. And it's like us in church. This may be game day for many of us, but what about the off-season, Monday through Saturday? Do we want God, or we just want Him to make us feel good on Sunday? Or do we, do we desire Him Monday through Saturday? Do we say to God, God, I desire you more than anything else, that I want to be in this relationship with you? See, it's, it's our choice. We, we let God know how we feel about Him by how we live, by how we treat people, how we love people. Sometimes we want the look of God, but we just don't want Him. Proverbs tells us this in chapter 22, verse 3, that a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. I like this translation because it's true. And if you see something coming your way that's going to hit you, you duck. If you don't, something wrong. If you see something coming your way and you just let it hit you smack dab in your face, then something's definitely wrong. But the Bible is saying, listen, God will warn you. You've got to do something about it. Otherwise, destruction takes place, and then you'll look back and say, shucks, I should have done this. I should have made that change. But we've got to look ahead and see the signals. This past Wednesday night, uh, we addressed some tough issues, especially with the, <clears throat> this... Um, special session that was going to go through that was addressing same-sex marriage and and they stopped the session uh the special session for now and some people were asking me so do we still um do we still call our our legislatures our governor do we still email and, and do things like that absolutely because your voice needs to be heard and here's why if this law does pass and same-sex marriage becomes a law and god warned us way back here to voice our opinion when that becomes a law, as a Christian, if you have a conscience to say, but I don't believe in same-sex marriage, and that becomes a law, then if you do certain things to break that law, you'll be penalized. For instance, if you're a photographer and you own a business, and someone is getting married under the same-sex marriage law, and they're a homosexual couple, and they're saying, we want to get married, but as a Christian, your conscience says, but I can't support that because now it's going to go on my website, it's going to go in my portfolio, and I don't support that way of living. And so for you to say no, you'd be breaking the law because it would be called discrimination, which is weird. Discrimination is one thing. God's moral laws is another thing. But that's, that's where we are in our state. But another Christian might say, wait a minute. No, that's my, that's my way of evangelizing. So as the Christian photographer... Your conscience might say, but God is calling me to be a witness to people. So I'll, I'll be the photographer for this. And so that person can be the photographer, but this person can still be sued because they said no. Now here's where your voice needs to be heard. That it's about protecting your rights too. So I'm not talking about uh, same-sex marriage right now in this context what I'm talking about is your voice being heard to protect your rights so when you call all you're saying is I want my voice to be heard or if you write that when this before this 
special session comes in that all voices would be heard. So in case this becomes a law, your rights are protected too. Because when you give someone their rights, you take away someone else's. So if we want equality on both sides, then both voices need to be heard. You catch what I'm saying? See, God is warning us now and He's saying, here's some things that are going to take place. You got to make a stance. It's not about downing another people group or, or saying, you know, you're so bad. It's saying, Lord, we need protection too. Otherwise, even as a business owner, if certain things you don't agree with, you can be sued. Your license can be removed. Our church licensing can be taken away. Our nonprofit organizational licensing can be taken away if we don't obey the law, unless we voice what we need to voice. If I were to, under the law, say no to marrying a couple that is same-sex, same-sex gender, then I would be violating the law unless we're protected. So you may think of it as, oh boy, this is kind of a serious thing. It is very serious. And God says in the last days, it'll become that serious. And so your conscience might say, I can't do that. But for another, they might say, that's my way of evangelizing. So the best way to look at it, how I see it is, we're all in a big boat. And on, the, on, the, on our ticket stub, it says sinner. But on the boat, the name of the boat is called grace. That we're all saved by the grace of God. We're all in the same boat. Someone who commits adultery, someone who's a drug addict, someone like me who was in fornication, someone who, who, steal, who steals, someone who, who abuses, and, and someone who, who does things not in accordance with the law of God. We're all in the same boat. As the Bible says, we all fall short of the glory of God. But we don't want to stay there. See, we, we got to get back to what God says. And in Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it, for from it flow the springs of life. See, we become a blessed people even though we may not follow God's ways entirely because of His principles and who He is. But imagine if you did things God's way. He'll pour out a blessing on you and your life more than you could possibly ever imagine. Otherwise, we won't see the blessings that, that He has for us if we stay the way we are. See, doing the right thing with God is more than just a tangible or what we can see. For Heidi and I, if we never changed our ways, there's no way I would have been doing, I would be doing what I'm doing today. There's no way. I couldn't, I couldn't see the blessings that God has for us today. If I continued to drink and, and was stuck in alcoholism, if I continued to do that, I would not be able to do what I'm doing today. I would not see God's full blessing today. Now, people have asked me this because we addressed this on, Saturday, uh, on Wednesday. They asked me about same-sex marriage, and they said, if it does become a law, does that mean God now sees that as a married couple? Does He now see this as marriage in His eyes? But I, I do want to address this. That for some people that we know, I have many friends who uh, live a homosexual lifestyle, and I love them. I love them. I may not agree with what they're doing, but I love them. Why? Because Christ 
died for all. Some of my friends are committing adultery. I love them. I don't love what they're doing, but I love them. Some of my friends are drug addicts, drug dealers. I love them. I don't agree with what they're doing. You're probably wondering, who are you hanging around with? <laughs> but I, but I, because somebody did that for me. Somebody loved me. While I was going through my junk, somebody loved me. They didn't condemn me. They showed me Christ's love. And so you may be in a relationship where you love the other person of the same gender because they probably fulfill your heart's desire. They probably make you feel better. They probably love you better than the opposite gender. They probably love you better than anybody else can. They care about you. They add joy to your life. And there's no doubt about that. But now this law is coming into play, and so you want to get married. But knowing God created marriage for one man and one woman, you're stuck in between. And, and so you're wondering, will he still bless our marriage, our relationship? Well, it's true that his compassions fell not, that his mercies are stu still new every single morning because he hurts for us. He knows the hurt we're going through. He is still faithful even when we choose not to be faithful to his laws. So he can bless you as an individual in your relationship. For Heidi and I, he could bless me, he could bless Heidi, but because we weren't married and we we're living in fornication, he couldn't bless our relationship. But he could bless us as individuals because God cannot go against his own word. It can almost seem disappointing, but it's not. It's good. God doesn't go against his own word. He said, this is how I created marriage. It's for one man, one woman. And with it comes my full blessing. But what if this law passes and, and it becomes marriage? So if we get married, will God still bless our marriage? I will say this. You will have 100%, 100% of the state's blessing. Zero of God's. Because God didn't create marriage that way. God says, here's what I created. This is what I created. It's beautiful. This, because we want God's blessing, but we don't want God, we create our own laws, which is actually a counterfeit of what God already created. And God says, here's why I give you my compassion. This, this is why I have compassion. This is why my mercies never fail and my loving kindnesses never cease. Why I'm so faithful? Because you live in a life that's fallen. You live in a world that is full of sick people, you and I. And you need me. That's why my compassions fail not. That I love you beyond what you could ever imagine. Which brings us to the last thing. So what do we do? Here's the difficult part. Make the proper adjustments. The proper corrections, sorry. Make the proper corrections. So we got to make our choice. Am I going to live the way God wants me to live or am I going to live the way I want to live? It's our choice. Now, I could have gotten mad at the pastor at that time and says, you know, you're telling me I'm living in sin. Uh, what about you? You sin too. I could have done that. When the pastor said, no, you're living together in fornication, you need to get married or move out and, and be clean and, and whatever else, I could have blamed the pastor and said, you know, it's your fault. I just not can come to church. I'll just make my own thing. 
I still love God, but I just don't want to listen to what you have to say. I could have done that, but I opted out of that because I really wanted God's blessing. Because it's not the pastor that's giving the word. It's God himself and his word. And because it's God's word, along with it comes his blessings. Jeremiah 10, 23 and 24 says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord. And he says this, but please be gentle. Don't correct me in anger, for I would die. Now, I remember when my son, he's 25 years old right now, and when he was little, he said something and did something that needed two spankings. And so I said, Jay, his name is Justin, we call him Jay for short. I said, Jay, uh, daddy has to give you two spankings. He says, what? I said, yeah. And I explained to him why. Here's the reason why. He says, no, I don't want spanking. I said, he's just going to get two swats. And so he turned around, and I gave him one swat. He said, let her. And I said, yeah, one more. He goes, no, no, daddy. And so he just started crying, and I said, just one more. Just one more. He goes, no, Dad. No, I'm going to listen. No, Dad, I'm going to listen. I'm going to change forever. I'm going to change forever. I said, no, no. You need one more spanking. Just one more swat. No, no, Daddy, I learned. I learned. I learned. I learned. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be good forever. Forever and ever. I said, no, just one more swat. Or you'll get ten more. Ten more? No, just give me one, Daddy. I'll just take one more. And so I gave him one more swat. And I said, settle down, and I'll come back in. And then when he was done settling down with the <laughs> all of that crying, and then I came back in. And I sat down with him, and I said, Jay, Daddy loves you enough to correct you, to help you in the direction that, that you need to go. That if you kept that attitude and that mindset, if you kept doing these things, then, then you're going to head down a road that you don't need to go on. And I said this, that pain you felt, the hurt you felt from daddy's spanking you on the, on the behind, that, that pain of correction nowhere compares to the pain you will feel if you keep heading down this road. And God is no different. He's a loving father. And he says, yeah, the corrections that I'm going to make in your life, yeah, it may be pretty painful, but it nowhere compares to the pain you will feel if you don't change. I'm glad the Lord says in Lamentations 3.22 that the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. For his compassions fail not, never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Listen, you and I are in the same boat. We're in the same boat as sinners who desperately need Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus because God will warn us long before destruction takes place, but we must pay attention to the signals and make the proper adjustments. It's never easy to turn from our wicked ways. That's why his 
His loving kindnesses never cease. His compassions fail not. They're new every single morning. God is faithful even when we're not because his mercies are greater than our mistakes. Amen. You close your Bibles, put away your notes, and we're going to pray. Let's bow our heads, shall we, together and pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your loving kindnesses, your mercy, that your compassions fail not, that they're new every single morning. Lord, I stand here as a sinner saved by grace, no better than anybody else, but I've, I've learned a little bit about how your blessings are and, and have received the greater blessings than I could ever imagine because you've done some things in my life that were a result of change. And it, it was hard, Lord, to make those decisions without you. But when I stood on the side of loving you and, and, and receiving your love and your promises and understanding your principles, then the choices that I needed to make weren't that difficult. I didn't have to change. I didn't have to do different things. I didn't have to live a different way. I wanted to. And that's what your love does. So we need the strength, Lord. We need the boldness, the courage. Some of us need to make some critical decisions, have some heavy talks. But Lord, it's only through you that we're able to do what you're calling us to do. To whatever capacity, Lord, that you're calling us to follow you. May we not be hard-headed and stubborn in our own ways, but that we would seek after you and follow you trust in your compassion that your mercies your loving kindnesses never cease for they are new every single morning thank you for being faithful in jesus name we pray and we all said amen